Welcome to WDTNN's podcast, Workforce Development Technology News Network. Your host, Dustin Swain, Burns Phillips, and Dr. Clay Phillips. Hey, today we're going to be talking about digital transformation and what it means. I'm going to cover a quick definition uh, Wikipedia has. Uh, they say that digital transformation is not necessarily about digital technology, but about the fact that technology, which is digital, allows people to solve their traditional problems. And they prefer the digital solution to the old solution. So, hey, Burns, what do you think is missing in that definition that we have from Wikipedia? Well, I think the, the primary uh, omission in that definition is any reference to how important people are. Um, you know, nothing works without people. And digital transformation, uh, first of all, doesn't have a consistent, uh, de there is no consistent definition of digital transformation. Uh, you can find 10, 12, 15 different uh, definitions and they're all somewhat different. That's part of the, that's, that's part of the frustration in trying to speak about digital transformation. But one thing for sure is that it must include people. And when, when we're talking about people, we're talking about people that are your employees, that are your customers, people that are in your, your ecosystem of your business. Uh, all these individuals have to be connected in some way if any sort of digital business or digital transformation is to be successful. Without that, the uh, technology is uh, really of no benefit. Right. So it's really about the people, correct? Yes, absolutely. And so as businesses address that, uh, adopting that digital first solution, trying to make a digital transformation happen, Clay, what do you think are some of the barriers that a business or an organization may face in trying to adopt that new technology? Well, in, in my experience, I think one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest barrier to organizations making any kind of substantial or substantive change is they see the, the change as a, a static event rather than something that has, has got to be perpetuated throughout the organization and then replaced, <clears throat> excuse me, by uh, any future changes that uh, arise or that are needed. For example, going to Burns's comment, <clears throat> for digital transformation to occur, it has to be uh, effective across all three uh, major areas of an organization, <clears throat> or what I call the trifecta of organizational agility and sustainability. And I think a lot of organizations have a plan or a so-called strategy to address whatever concerns they may have, digital transformation in, in this instance, but uh, they only do parts of it. They, they might address the leadership element of it. They might address the uh, business process uh, element of it. They might even spend a lot of money, millions of dollars on training people, but they, they never connect the three. And that's what I mean by static. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, you talked about companies that have started this and what they are addressing. Uh, there's a good st uh, source or study out there from IDG that says that 89% of organizations have adopted or have plans to adopt the digital first strategy, yet only 37% have already started integrating and executing that digital first approach. And remarkably, I think this is the number that sticks out, 45% companies have not started or in the very early stages of becoming a digital business. And, you know, there are studies out there that really point out that there's fear 
within that change, right? And there's fear that um, they have legacy systems. They don't have the skill sets that are necessary. And most importantly, I think, as you two have mentioned, is the people change, right? There's going to be a change. We're using new tools. And that's often creates a lot of fear within an organization because they're used to always doing what they've done and it's worked in the past. And so as companies are addressing this and they're trying to come on board, you know, what are you, what do you think uh, are some of the the strategies that they need to adopt beyond uh, just installing that new technology? I I think that uh, the mistake that a lot of businesses make is that they, they confused uh, digitization, in other words, embracing digital tools and converting to, digi- to digital tools as the same as a digital transformation, and it's not. You know, there are really three or four steps that lead to uh, digital transformation, and unfortunately, they're not necessarily conveniently uh, lined up one after the other. But to digitize is just to convert your analog data uh, into, uh, you know, binary ones and zeros. And that is digitization. Digitalization, you know, that is where you actually take that information, that data, and start to change your business processes. Uh, And a business can, they can gain efficiencies uh, and, and be more effective if they're at that stage, digitalization, but digital transformation is holistic. It involves the entire ecosystem in which a business works, and and it in, involves uh, uh, extreme connectivity between all members of that ecosystem, whether they're in the supply chain, whether they're your employees, um, whether vendors or customers. And so I think a lot of businesses just digitize and think that they're making the move or they're, they are suddenly uh, in in what would be called digital transformation. But digital transformation is really more about people and change. And that, that means change of the organization itself, moving away from the traditional hierarchical structure that we have all long known to something that's more agile and more uh, people-centric. And when I say people-centric, I mean your employees as well as your customers uh, and as well as your uh, suppliers. That's a great point, Burns. And, you know, looking at businesses that are still drowning in paper, you know, their first thought may be that, hey, this is all we've got to do. We've got to get out of this paper. And then we start scanning and, you know, converting all these documents that we're relying on from our customers, from our internal processes and things like that, that, you know, that that's really all they need to do. But in fact, you know, as these studies suggest, and your comments suggest is that it's really about a people strategy too. And so, just curious what your thoughts are, you know, Burns or Clay, what do you think has to come first? Or is there, is it the chicken and egg, uh, you know, deal here? Clay? Well, I would say that um, it's it's a a matter of awareness. I think awareness always has to come first and awareness has got to be based on uh, brutal, uh, unabated honesty. And like you, you guys have heard me talk about the, the mirror on the wall. Uh, no matter how pretty we may think we are, the mirror's not going to lie to us. <clears throat> and that awareness, I believe, has to start at the, at the extreme top of an organization 
with the awareness, going back to what Burns just talked about, is that the people of every organization, regardless of the, the, the sector, regardless of the industry, doesn't really matter, but the people are the fluidity of the organization. That said, is without the people being properly engaged, properly uh, equipped, uh, properly trained and, and folded into the organization, then nothing else about the organization can become fluid. Everything in an organization is static until the people in that organization are engaged. Yeah, that's good points. Uh, Burns, what, what do you think about that as far as leadership getting involved early on well leadership if somebody is going to if, a depart, if an organization is going to move from uh the traditional structure uh, and uh, embark on the you know the path to digital transformation uh, it that really has to start from the top at least in terms of uh you know the c-suite in embracing the idea and pushing it down through the organization. The idea might originate even uh, lower down in the organization, but ultimately it has to be embraced and, and uh, endorsed by senior management. And, uh, you know, to, to Clay's comment, he's right. T too, too often organizations will implement or, or start down the path to digitization and digitalization and ultimately what might be digital transformation, but they'll never meet what is, is digital transformation unless every division, every component of an organization is involved in digital business. And too often, uh, they'll implement it in one siloed area and those usually fail at that it will start there, but you have to, in other words, those will fail in terms of the total organization becoming a digital business. But, uh, but they have to make sure that it is, uh, as I said earlier, holistic. The entire organization has to be connected. It's really about connectivity and the collection of data that helps an organization because of the connectivity between all the components of the company actually come up with new business processes and procedures, uh, new uh, opportunities for revenue. Uh, in other words, they are more, uh, more of a lateral organization than uh, a top-down. And uh, that's what too many organizations are missing today. They still try to in inject digital technology, which is just digitization, mm into legacy processes and procedures and that just doesn't work you know that's some more great points and i'm just you know somebody may be listening to this and say hey but how do you do that i mean how how as a leader how can i actually make this change how what can i do how do i get my team in a room and say hey guys we're going to do this we're going to make this big change i mean where do you start and burns go ahead if you want to oh, address oh. that well, I think that's exactly where you start. You have to, to uh, communicate what the goals is for the company, the organization, and how that impacts each individual from, from senior management, middle management, all the way to uh, line employees. So you have to make sure that you communicate 
the reasons for doing it. And then you have to make sure that you have created a culture uh, that is conducive to this. Uh, you have to have a culture that uh, actually embraces everybody in the process. You can't just shove it down the uh, chain of command and say this is going to happen. You have to create an environment so that everybody from top to bottom knows where they uh, sit in terms of their contribution to the organization and the importance of their contribution. And so you push, you have to push that down uh, after the awareness or the communication of why you're doing it is shared. You have to push that down and you have to give the individuals the tools, resources, uh, information that they need to actually make this happen because it happens at the periphery of an organization, not at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, I think those are good tips and suggestions and, you know, Clay, I'm curious, you know, you've, you've had many years in the training industry. You, you've covered from mediation practices to <clears throat> developing HR content. So what do you see as some of the, the, the content or classes that organizations should be addressing with their uh, workforce? Um, I, I would tell you that I think this, uh, my approach has always uh, uh, been centered on uh, and I don't mind uh, sharing this with you, I'm absolutely unashamed of it, is uh, what uh, Abraham Maslow uh, discovered in his theory of the um, hierarchy of human needs and motivations. And that's understanding not just what people need, but what motivates people. And more times than not, uh, leaders of corporations get it wrong. <laughs> mm. They think that uh, it, it's always gonna have a monetary value assigned to uh, something that's gonna motivate somebody, and an employee in this case, to move toward a new way of doing things, a better, more efficient, productive way of doing things. And um, I would say that the, the, the courses that I've created, the workshops that I've created are designed around what genuinely, uh, inherently, and naturally motivates people. Um, how, how many people have you all encountered in your lives that would openly admit that they don't want to be better communicators. <laughs> right. I, I've not yet met anybody that said, no, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can improve in that area. And the reality of that is that we all do want to be better, more effective communicators. But the point of that is to ask the question, why do people want to be better communicators? Well, Maslow says, we want to be better communicators so we can more effectively get what we need from someone else, right? right. That's not a bad thing. That's not selfish. That's not self-centered. That's efficient, and that falls down to the foundation of the uh, the model of, of the, the survival of the human species. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it's as scientific as we want it to be. That said, um, all these courses are designed around that, but with the the expectation and the objective of, of transforming the entire organization and that the leaders in the organization, I believe, until they can embrace what really is being transformed, their, your policies, your processes, your equipment, your tools hmm. are not what's being transformed. They are being updated and they are being upgraded and they are being replaced with the newest, latest, greatest technology that's out there. What is being transformed <clears throat> is your people. Yeah. 
and you're either transforming them effectively, which would be based on what motivates them to change. Why should they change? Why should they be a part of this transformation from an analog business world to the digital world? And we're talking about the tools that they use. Mm -hmm. um, so that all can only happen in, in an effective, sustainable way if and when the organization can take this approach and then design and implement a transformation process that's going to get their people there. But that, that uh, transformation process has to include a strong, dedicated, committed leadership. It, it also has to be designed around a very clear, uh, simple, and, and very usable uh, uh, process design. And until those two pieces are in place, I don't see how anybody can expect an employee to buy into it. Yeah, the excellent points. I, you know, I think the key that you mentioned in that was communication. You know, yep. communication is key. And uh, Burns, you know, you and I, we've we've had uh, quite a few years there with the Department of Labor and Workforce in our previous roles, and I think that was one of the very things that you mentioned early on. Uh, to that organization was that communication is key, that it must flow up, down, sideways, horizontally, vertically, everywhere. And I think that it was such a key element that, you know, to Clay's point, you know, that's the one thing that transforms. You either have an organization that communicates well, or you have one that's siloed. And one that is siloed, you're not gonna be able to bring in new technology and expect it to work. There will be a few that can adopt it and will make some changes. But the sustainability of that over the long haul will not happen. And uh, the communication was kind of the, the keystone in all of that. And so, you know, from your experience, Burns, talk a little bit about that, that key management element that leadership must address before any digital transformation. Well, Dustin, you and I both have seen it uh, in, in our former roles, and we, we understand that communication is key. Uh, Communication must be continuous. It must basically be 24-7, uh, if you will. Mm. Communication up and down. Uh, it can't just come from the top down. It has to come from the bottom up, the top down, and then even across uh, different business units in an organization. Uh, and if there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of understanding on the part of the people in the organization of what's trying to be accomplished. You know, a recent McKinsey article pointed out that though 75% of uh, executives that responded to a survey they did, they get, they uh, commit conducted that they knew that, um, you know, a digital transformation uh, had to involve many different units of their business. The success rate of that happening was about only about 36 or 37%. Mm. And it turned, the failure generally turned on the lack of communication. And what, what they encountered was that, individual units were often business units in an organization were reluctant to to work across division lines uh, and i think that is because of a lack of communication and clarity on what was trying to be accomplished you know when we when we implemented this at the department of labor and workforce development we made sure that everyone understood what was to be accomplished that they understood uh, how it benefited, benefited them individually, which is very important. And we 
made the, uh, the environment one so that they could be self-organizing, if you will, in reaching across uh, not business units, but in, in, in the, the department, different divisions to leverage resources, information, uh, because they had they all had a common understanding of what the ultimate goal was. And in and, and the private sector, that seems to be uh, continues to be a problem because they don't understand many of these many companies don't understand how important communication across the entire organization and even to the ecosystem, those people outside of the organization, how important that is. And, uh, it, and you know clearly, that will contribute, lack of that will contribute to a failure in trying to accomplish digital transformation uh, or even digitalization in an organization. Yeah, so uh, Clay, if you could just comment briefly, what are some things you do? Uh, obviously, you don't want to give away your total recipe, but uh, just curious for the listeners, what, what would you say are some quick tips to engage the workforce and their organization as a leader or as a mid-level manager, what are some things they can do today to initiate uh, those uh, changes within trying to trying to build a strategy around better communication? Yeah, Dustin, and I think in this this all falls right into what you and uh, Burns have both been saying. And I would say this is that, and and it's just not you know a cliche. It's actually a mantra that I believe in, and that is that if you, if, if, if an organization really wants to change their culture, they first have to change themselves. And that starts with the leaders. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the leader feels like they have nothing to change or that needs to be improved, then I'm going to tell you that organization is doomed as long as that's the mindset. Okay. So, so don't be in denial, right? <laughs> yeah. First, let's get out of denial and then let's start moving into awareness. And once the leader can do that, you know, basically admit, I don't have this figured out and I need help, yeah. especially if I want to, uh, this organization is sustained for the next 10, 15, 20, however many years and keep these people employed. Uh, the next step is that for these leaders to understand that every single person, themselves included, that walks into work or works from home for that organization every day uses one of two and if not, and, and generally both methods uh, or approaches to meet whatever their needs are. It might be personal needs. It might be uh, a sales goal. It might be a, a customer satisfa uh, satisfaction score goal. Mm -hmm. But we each, each of us takes two approaches to meet our needs. And they are, there's a collaborative approach and there's a competitive approach. And we, we, we oscillate between those every day. Every one of us does that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Even on your drive into work. And you know that, man, I'm going to be five minutes late. Well, you know, your behavior all of a sudden becomes competitive. You know, you, you, you speed up, you cut in front of somebody. Uh, that's competitive behavior. That was you well, on the road, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And okay. But by the time we get to the workplace uh, and going back to your comment about uh, communication silos, mm. that's pure competitive behavior. Right. There, there, that serves no purpose within an organization except that it's destructive, okay? Now, for leaders to, the, to understand and embrace that, that, that's your problem, you know, and we can label it whatever we want to label it. But the problem is the behavior that we can observe. If you've got two silo uh, 
organizations that refuse to communicate with each other. Well, we can gripe all day and say that's unacceptable and whatever. I say, call it what it is. Mm -hmm. It's unacceptable because it is competitive behavior and not collaborative behavior. Okay. So then comes the opportunity to address it. What is our opportunity in that with that obstacle is to begin to transform competitive behavior, internal competitive behavior to internal collaborative behavior. Mm -hmm. And the very first step of doing that is to teach people how to communicate strategically and effectively with each other so they can meet their needs. And it's, it's really that simple. If I need, if I need uh, printer cartridges, I mean, I'm probably going to at least have to consider being nice in my request, <laughs> depending on how badly and how quickly I need those printer cartridges. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's simple. We say, you know, well, how would, how would you respond if somebody talked to you like that? Um, and, and it's really that simple. What, what is competitive is when we ignore this very common nature that every one of us has, that if, if you want something bad enough, your behavior ought to reflect it. And when we begin to isolate ourselves and believe that, you know, we've got everything we need, we don't need anything from anybody else, particularly interdepartmental, that's when organizations really begin to shut down. And what I call, that's when they begin to experience hardening of the arteries. Yeah. And those are great points, Clay and Burns both. I mean, I think uh, you tied that together very nicely. You know, and in my experience, I've, I've seen organizations that I've been able to work with and you see leaders, you see management really feeding that competitiveness versus collaboration. You see, behavior that's not being addressed and you know you have to have now you know you do have to have tools that help you dissect that you know you got to be able to know how are my people communicating with one another so so often i think performance plans especially hr relies heavily on the input from mid-level management their direct supervisors as to their performance and how often do they bring that up communicates and affect effectively with others. Well, what's that based on? Is it because of how they talk to you as their manager? Or is it because you've been able to observe them in their environment? Do you have tools that help you do that? And how important is that? And, you know, I think in this whole space of competitiveness and collaboration, that that breakdown is, is, is so critical because if you are fueling that fire with competitive and, and, and not pushing your people to collaborate more, then you're never going to be able to make that step. You're never going to be able to make that digital transformation. Um, and Clay, I think you, you put that very clearly. Go ahead. Yeah. And I would say too, that the, um, the, the key here is that what you just said is, is when we observe behavior and, um, you know, how many organizations do not operate on some form of performance evaluation process, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants a raise, et cetera, whatever the, the, the case may be. But what we're talking about is is assessment, right? Right. Uh, we're assessing an employee's performance. Well, what does that mean? Um, and my first uh, question is when I encounter a new client is that uh, what have you done to assess where you are right now? Uh, you're talking about unacceptable behavior, uh, the silo effect so forth and so on. Okay. I understand that you believe that you're observing this, but 
what are you doing to assess that in a measurable, let me call it what it is, scientific form? Because mm -hmm. if we can't effectively measure it, then we cannot subject that same assessment to every employee in every department. So what am I saying? <laughs> you know, the brutal truth here is, is that a lot of these performance evaluation uh, processes and systems that are out there, uh, they're flimsy. They just are. I've, I've encountered too many of them. What do they measure? Yeah. I always ask that question and I get the same answers. Well, it measures their performance. Okay, well, what part of this assessment measures how they feel about your company? What part of the assessment measures how they feel about how they're being supported or how they're being treated? And these are the things that Burns has said, I don't know how many times already this morning on this podcast, that if you if a leader is not interested in knowing that information, then, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But that leader is the problem. And that yeah. leader is not much of a leader. Uh, you know, leadership, there's, there's two essential approaches to leadership. And this goes back to Maslow. And one is, is, is uh, an approach from a place of respect. And the other is an approach from a place of fear. Uh, they, they, they use fear. They want fear to, they believe fear is going to motivate people. And fear has never motivated anybody to do anything except leave. Burns, what do you say about that? Yeah, you know, Clay, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and an important aspect we're trying to uh, develop a culture in an organization. Uh, if you want anything to work in the digital age and in, in a business that is trying to be a digital business, uh, you have to create uh, an environment that is devoid of fear. Because a traditional uh, organization, the hierarchical decree down organization that's been around forever, is really based on control. It's really based on control. So you have, in the digital age because of the ability to, to gather information, lots of information, to digest it. Uh, you have to have uh, some freedom throughout the organization to make decisions without having to uh, go up the proverbial flag pole to get an answer. And you can only do that if you remove fear. To, to your earlier point, if people are afraid that if they make a decision that they're going to be punished for it, um, creativity and innovation uh, are non-existent. And uh, so in a digital uh, organization, you know, senior management and especially middle management must be willing to give up a certain amount of control. They have to push decision-making out to the periphery of the organization. And to your point, if, if there's a, it's a fear, uh, an environment of fear, it's not going to happen, and that will ultimately cause failure in trying to become a digital business and certainly trying to get to what's considered to be digital transformation. And, Burns, I would say to that is uh, the, the, the leaders that come from an approach of fear, what do they fear? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's, the, that's the fuel of this. I believe you, you, you've got more experience with this than I do uh, because you, you – digitally transformed an entire department of state government. Uh, how the heck you managed to do that in a short amount of time, I don't know, but we're going to find more about it, uh, about that. But I'm going to tell you what I believe anybody that we call control freaks or they, they don't want to, uh, they call it control. I call it power. And uh, if you share power, then, you know, control is never considered uh, a deficit. 
uh, it cannot be a deficit if power is, is shared. You can empower people. You cannot end control people, right? And I would say what they, uh, what they are afraid of, the, the, the leaders that, that, that lead from a position of fear, which is not leadership, I think we all agree, right. um, is that what they fear is not the, a negative result, is they fear not being in control. They, they, in, in, uh, we call it micromanagement. We can call it all kinds of different things. Uh, but I believe that the, uh, in the fear that if we try this process of empowerment, third-party empowerment throughout the organization, that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're afraid of too. And you guys yeah. have heard me say it uh, a blue million times. And, you know, I, I'm pretty shameless when I, when it comes to this as well, but, you know, I always tell leaders that, look, if you do not trust your people to fail, then you need to go back to school and learn what it means to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States military has one of the best leadership systems and organizational systems that I believe exist because where else can you have somebody that's only been in the service for two years, that's junior enlisted, that's trusted with so many financial and mobile assets to do what they're supposed to do and what needs to be done. It's because they've been trained, they have the tools. Uh, it's because they have leaders that, that express implicit trust that even if they don't make the right decision, they will make what they believe is a good decision based on their training. And, and Burns, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but you said it before, you know, if government can do it, why doesn't the private sector do it? Why can't, right? why, why can't business? That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, and you know, what's remarkable about that and I, what I was unaware of until, you know, you start reading articles and you start attending some of these conferences out there <clears throat> is that that is true there's 45% of these companies out there who have not started this transformation. And it is fear. I've, you know, there's been stories where, well, you know, I've got this sales guy, you know, he's currently bringing in 10 million. Why would I go and disrupt that? Why would I go change that? And, you know, the question I would ask back is that, well, that's, why are you afraid of that? You know, what's keeping you or keeping that person from using newer technology and saying, Hey, why not bring in 20 million? And it's, it's reluctance, it's that fear, but it's also they're comfortable. They're comfortable with we've always done it that way. And, Bingo. I, and I think that's one of those huge hurdles that what you guys just described was that leadership has to embrace in their culture, in their organization, the ability to make mistakes and to learn from those. Because... Um, and Burns, uh, I think one of the great things that came out of our uh, time there at the department was if it's legal and it doesn't kill anybody, give it a go. Mm-hmm. And that really opened the doors. That gave the opportunity to feel free to try new things. And I really do think that's one of the major hurdles, as you both have explained, for most organizations. Yeah, and I think, Dustin, an organization, if they're going to be successful and they, and they create a culture, and to try to create a culture that is uh, devoid of fear, which I think is absolutely critical. Um, And they create an environment and a culture where the individuals know that if they make a mistake, it's not fatal to their employment. Uh, That doesn't mean that you you tolerate incompetence. What it means is that you you, uh, staff your agency or your department or your uh, business with 
the most competent people you can find. And then what you tolerate are mistakes, not incompetence. And because mistakes are what enable an organization to grow. You learn from mistakes. And if you're not uh, giving your people an environment where they can make decisions, and, and these, these can be, you know, this can be gradual uh, surrender of control, but they have to be iterative. They can't be massive. So you start off by giving your people the ability to make decisions within certain parameters. And if they make a decision that's not the best, then it's not to be punished, but it's to be learned from. And uh, one small decision that was not the best is not going to destroy an organization. And so I think that's that's very critical to what Clay has said and what, what you are talking about is that you have to be able to trust. Clay said trust. You have to trust your people. And if you do your very best to get the most competent people you can in your organization, that trust comes a whole lot easier. But again, uh, that trust is what um, empowers individuals uh, uh, with the confidence that they can experiment uh, and, and uh, in so doing, bring good things to the organization. Those that's great follow-up. You know, this is an important discussion, and I think it's going to be one that we're going to be able to cover in many podcasts. We're going to be able to break this down uh, further for the, our listeners out here. And, uh, you know, it's such an important uh, trend that's happening right now. As you, you know, as we pointed out from the studies here, there are many companies, organizations, governments that have not made this transformation yet. There are many hurdles in front of them. And it's our, you know, hope that we can, through this podcast, uh, bring some light to some uh, ways in which they can tackle some of these big problems that they face uh, to make it more effective and efficient uh, for their customers, for their internal customers, for their, you know, employees, and so on. So, uh, guys, I appreciate you on the podcast. Is there any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I would just say that uh, everything we've talked about, and and you're right, this is a this is a subject that can take up far more time than we've we've had today. But what we're pointing out, I think, is that digital is just a very small piece of digital transformation. There's an awful lot more to it than digital. That really is just the very first step, mm -hmm. uh, and that alone is not going to uh, uh, make a uh, an organization or a business competitive in this new world of digital technology that we're all live, uh, play, and work in. And Clay. Any, um... yeah, yeah, I would I'd say that uh, the the main takeaway I would ask, uh, in particular, decision makers uh, and policy influencers out there to take away from this, is just ask yourself and be honest: are, are you are you leading from a place of fear? Do you fear your employees? Do you fear the mistakes they're going to make? Do you fear their failures? If you do, stop. Quit fearing your employees. Quit fearing whatever may happen that day and i promise you this if you'll stop fearing that today your employees will stop fearing you and they will begin to follow you people do not follow fear they run from it great excellent yep. point hey uh listeners uh you know if you're starting your digital transformation and uh from what i've heard today in today's comments it may be a digital transformation rehabilitation uh, let's get out of denial as leaders. Let's start facing our fears. Let's start conquering these things. 
uh, be sure to tune in. Subscribe to our podcast. Go to WDTNN.com and follow us uh, as we intend to have many more podcasts on this topic. And we'd be uh, happy to have you as subscribers. Thanks for joining us.